Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. I'm going to try to do something that I have about a point oh. 8-3 batting average at, which is to quickly receive an offering first so then we can minister and leave the altars open at the end. I want to take off at uh, 5 in the morning to go to San Diego. Pastor Rodney asked me if I'd meet him for breakfast, and I said, there's two people counting Jesus that I would meet for breakfast at 7.30 in the morning, and you're one of them. So I'm going I'm to go see him, and then uh, I think he's going to be minister with him down there tomorrow. So that's a good, good week of ministry. You know, if you're going to fly out, you can go play golf in Pittsburgh. You can go hang out in Pittsburgh. If you, I, I feel like if you're going to take a ministry trip and take a jet out somewhere, uh, it's great that Pastor Michael opened the church up for two services a day. People don't really understand how revival works, that there's people that, that can only be for three days. They can only come in the mornings. We were, one night we had 18 people less in the 10 a.m. service than the 7 p.m. service the night before because, uh, and it's not the same people. It's not like 18 people didn't show up. You have, you have different people that come in, and so it, it makes full use of the week. And um, America needs these kind of meetings. You are not going to change California having, having a 90-minute service on Sunday once a week and then like sell group meetings one night. It's not, not going to happen. And so if that's, your, if that's your strategy, you have to switch things up. I told uh, pastors in Canada when I was up there, I said, you realize your, your nation's about a quarter step from communism. There's a way you have church when a nation's been conquered by Christianity, where you say, we're just going to, we're starting a four-part series, but then there's another way you have church, like Benson Hosa had it in Nigeria when there were 400 churches and you had an Islamic dictator, where you, you need to break the thing open. And uh, sadly, in a lot of America, it's gone back to that place, which is fine, but people need to switch things up. You need to go into Sundays looking to heal the sick, cast out devils, and have signs and wonders come and confirm the Word of God. Amen. Thank God we've been seeing that this week, and it's going to continue at all your churches. Can you say amen? Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible says, this same gospel that came to you is going out all over the world, it is bearing fruit everywhere. Everybody say bearing fruit everywhere. By changing lives, just as it changed your lives, from the day you first heard. Listen to that. It's changing lives everywhere, just like it changed your life the first day you heard, and not just heard, understood. The first day you heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That has a dual meaning. Faith comes from continual hearing of the word of God. And then one scholar said the second hearing connotates understanding so that you could also translate it, faith cometh by hearing and understanding the word of God. That's why, you know, you hear something. I remember I was with a, a pastor friend of mine preaching at his church in another country and I preached on faith that night out of Mark 11, 22 through 24 and how Jesus talked about what you speak three times more than he talked about what you believe because most people miss it where they speak and we had a great service. So I'm standing up by the pastor and the guy came up and said, uh, that's the 
that was a powerful message. He said, I've never heard anything about how it matters what we speak. And the pastor got this look on his face. He said, I just finished a six-week series on confession. The guy was in his church. He said, oh, I, I don't know. It just must have not registered. So people, it's not enough to hear it one time. You know, and a lot of pastors think that. I've preached on that before. People haven't been sitting home for the last 18 months thinking about when you preached it 18 months ago. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, uh, you know, not to go into a bunch of secular TED Talk-like studies, but you read what Coca-Cola's found out, how many times somebody has to see somebody or, or see something before they make a purchase. It's the same with hearing. People have hard heads in general. So they have to hear something again and again out of the word. So the Bible says the first day, didn't take 12 months, remember how the gospel is going out and changing lives everywhere, just as it changed your life the first day. Everybody say the first day. That you heard and understood. Uh, how, how does it finish up in six? The first day that you heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So the Bible tells you there two things. Number one, just because you've been in bad shape for 15 years, God doesn't need three years to get you out. God can pull anybody out of any situation in one day. And then two, the Bible is not for behavior modification or to give you a different philosophy or outlook on life. The Bible shows you or gives you power to live a new life. Where Look at the blind man in John chapter 9 where there was such a radical transformation that people were saying, is this the same guy or is it, or, or is it somebody else that looks like him? That's what the Bible does. That's, what, that's what's different about Christianity from Buddhism or anything else. It's not learning a new way to live or looking out at life with a new outlook. The Bible says the word is alive. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. When you, when you believe the word, and receive the word, it does a change on you. I attempted one night to preach out of Romans chapter 4 in the Amplified because I love what it says. It says, Abraham believed those things that were spoken unto him, and God counted it as righteousness. And, and then it says in the Amplified, in brackets, and his body grew strong and was empowered by faith. His body, at 99 years old, grew strong and was empowered by faith. Because God's word's alive, when you believe it, you become it. It's not just thinking differently. There's a power that changes you from the inside out. Can you say amen? And so I, um, that's what I do. I, was, I, I told the story, if you were here this week, some of you watched online, even that weren't here, that I had an, an encounter with God when I was eight years old. I felt the Lord speak to me to go and be an evangelist, call men and women that are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. And uh, I graduated Bible school and went on that mission. When I was in Bible school, the first opportunity that opened up for me to preach was at North Providence Assembly of God in the basement of the church at the youth group. And so I went to preach, and uh, I had a pretty interesting lead up to the service. I think God did this probably because it was my first time. But I, I, I asked my roommate if I could have a little time by myself in our dorm room and uh, to get ready for the service that night on Friday night. So I started to pray, and I didn't get much praying out, and all of a sudden I felt the Lord speak to me, stop praying and take authority over cancer, or no, curse cancer. I didn't know, you know, I didn't grow up where you bound and loose things. I, 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 the only thing I'd ever heard about confession was warnings against it, those name it, claim it people, and be careful. So I didn't even know what the Lord meant, curse cancer. 
You know, I was a Christian. I was taught not to curse or to stop cursing. So I didn't even know how to do what the Lord was telling me to do. I figured I'll just repeat the, what he said word for word. So I stopped praying. I said, I curse cancer. I take authority over cancer. I curse it in Jesus' name. Just rearranged the words a few times till I felt satisfied that I, I had done uh, what the Lord asked me to do. And then I felt a release from praying. So I went to go preach at that youth meeting. I think there was about 70 or so uh, teenagers there, plus some helpers. And I was preaching on the power of God. At us. The Lord laid on my heart, Psalm 71. Now that I'm old and gray, don't abandon me, O Lord. Let me show, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That was David's heart cry in his old age. Now, O Lord, that I'm old and gray, don't set me aside. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. So I use that as a scripture. And then obviously it's my first time preaching. So I don't have any, any illustrations of people who have been healed in my meetings or anything. So I just use Bible illustrations. I started in Genesis and started talking about all the mighty things that God did. Parting the Red Sea in Exodus. Feeding uh, Elijah with ravens on down the line. And as I'm preaching on the power of God, there was a lady in row two or three sitting on the edge. And she quickly got up and scurried out of the meeting. Well, I had seen people do that in my dad's meetings before, so I was trying to think what I said that was offensive. I, you know, I, I was just preaching right out of the Bible, and I thought, well, whatever. Well, I was wrong. She wasn't offended, and when I got to the point that I was basically done preaching, and no breakthrough had been hit. The teenagers were very respectful, but they had their arms crossed looking at me, and I knew if I gave an altar call right then, nobody was gonna budge because they listened, but, but no impact had been made. Well, that lady that scurried out of the sanctuary, she returned in the back doorway, and she had a lady with her that had a bandana on, no eyebrows, and gray skin. And it all made sense to me then, because I remembered what I prayed before the meeting started. So I got excited, because I didn't know what I was going to do at that point anyway. Then when I saw her, I thought, okay, I, I, I have like a direction now. I said, does your friend have cancer? And they shook their head, yes. I said, bring her down here. So they brought her down. This is, the, this is my first time preaching. And I had something come upon me called the gift of faith or special faith. If you've been coming to these meetings, this is meeting number uh, 11. Then a lot of them we've dealt with spiritual gifts. Three deal with your speaking. Three deal with your thinking. And three deal with action. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy are vocal gifts. Discerning of spirits, not discernment. Discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, Word of wisdom, that's God giving a piece of his revelation of him knowing everything into your mind. And then special faith, everybody say special faith. Gifts of healings, plural, and then working of miracles. What's the difference between healing and miracles? Well, if you've had your kidneys damaged, they need healed. If you were born without kidneys, you need a miracle. Healings, or healings heal something that's been damaged. Miracles are creative in nature and create what doesn't exist. So if something's damaged, it can be healed. If it's damaged past the point of repair, it can be replaced. Can you say amen? Then you have what's called special faith. What's the difference between faith or special faith and the working of miracles? The easiest way to understand it would be how Daniel dealt with lions and how Samson dealt with lions. The Bible says when a lion came out of the thicket to attack Samson, he grabbed it by the jaws and tore it in half. That's called the working of miracles because a man can't do that no matter how much HGH you take. Can you say amen? 
No, no man can do that. But to catch it by the mouth and tear it in half, that's the working of miracles. But what did, what did Daniel do when he was thrown in the lion's den? Did he start ripping lions up? No. He laid and made the lion's mane into a pillow and went to sleep, and the lions wouldn't touch him, for he said the Lord sent his angel to shut their mouth. And when you study the gift of faith, it almost always has angelic, angelic release that comes with it. So the working of miracles is an active gift. That's why it's called the working of miracles. That's why a lot of people don't receive miracles, because there's no gift called the waiting for miracles. I'm waiting for my miracle. You're going to be waiting until you're dead. There's no gift of the waiting of miracles. There's a gift of the working of miracles. Think about it through the Bible. Spitting in the eye, spitting in the, on the ground and making uh, uh, mud and rubbing it in the man's eyes and having him wash. Elijah laying face to face with the boy till his body grew warm. And then when you watch those old healing preachers where they'd start working with the person that was crippled or with their eyes and get them to start focusing. I, I could show you, in fact, when you go home, you can watch it. You can look up a man named A.A. A. Allen and they, he would have cancer night or blind eye night and he'd work with them where they had stomach cancer and couldn't keep anything down. He'd pray for them and then he'd say, bring me a bologna sandwich and a Pepsi from the cafeteria hall. And he'd have the lady sit up that hadn't kept food down in six years and he'd bless the food and say, now eat this and drink the Pepsi and make her do what she couldn't do. Or Jack Coke taking the neck brace off and moving the guy's neck. Deaf ears, putting the finger in the ear. Deafness and hardness of hearing come out. So the working of miracles is an action God puts on a man's body. And you, those guys usually are very rough with, with people that, are, that need help. They look on the outside like they're being almost mean to them, but they're not. They're working the miracle. In fact, in the Amplified Bible, it says in brackets, the action that God gives man to do that elicits miracles. Turn to Exodus 14. I feel like I'm already failing the test of taking a quick offering as I've not mentioned anything to do with offerings yet. Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Now, God just delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea and there's no bridge. And now all, all, the, all the Egyptian military is coming. Pharaoh changed his mind. And that's what happens. When you read the story of the Israelites getting broken out of Egyptian bondage, there's a ton of parallels to you leaving your life under the bondage of sin and living the life of faith. Brother Jonathan, I felt so free last night. And then it seemed like it, came, it tried to come back on me. Yeah, Pharaoh let them go. And then when they went, he pursued them to bring them back. The Bible says the enemy comes at once to steal the seed. But just like he lost you the first time, you can stay in dominion and serve the Lord all the days of your life. And I see you doing that the rest of this year in Jesus' name. If you believe that, can you say a loud amen? So they're getting closed in on from the back. They have no way to go forward. What are they going to do? The Bible says in Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And I've heard people preach whole sermons on that, but you need to read the next verse after that to get a proper perspective because that's a nice speech, but that's not what parted the sea. Moses was trying to throw it back on God. 
God will deliver us today. That, that's what preachers do today. I mean, the Lord will do it. We pray that God will heal those who are sick in our community. We pray that God would comfort those that are going through hard times. But watch what God said. Because if you remember, God gave Moses a rod. And he said, with this rod, do signs. I'm putting you, I will make you as a God to Pharaoh. In other words, you're going to stand in place of me, and I've given you my authority. Can you say amen? Well, Moses tries to back out of that relationship and pawn it back on God. The Lord will fight for you today. You won't even have to lift a finger in your defense. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. Well, God didn't say amen. Verse 15. Then God said to Moses, Wherefore dost thou cry unto me? What are you talking to me about this for? I told you T.L. Osborne said there's two types of prayers that will never get answered. Asking God to do what he told you to do and asking God to do what he's already done. You can't ask God to do what he's told you to do and you're wasting your time to ask God what to do what he's already done. Oh Lord, heal me. He's saying, I wish you'd open up the Bible and find that 2,000 years ago, I sent Jesus Christ and had him tied to a post and had his back beaten till the blood spilled out. And the Bible says he was wounded for your transgressions. And by his stripes, you were healed. If you're thankful for the healing power of God, can you let him hear your hand clap here in California tonight? Let me get a little more light so I can see the people, if you don't mind. It's a little too romantic in here for me. I've fallen in love with California enough. I don't need any more help. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And that's what God's still saying to people that pray like that. Lord, we just ask you to speak to people who are in foreign lands, who have never heard the gospel. No, somebody has to go and tell them. So you can't ask God to do what he's told you to do, and you don't ask God to do what he's already done. That's why your prayers start to get powerful when you go through the book and start finding everything God did. And actually, the more you do, the, the less you hear yourself begging for things and the more your prayers just basically turn into, thank you, Father, for healing. Thank you for health. Thank you for life. Thank you for long life. Thank you for strength. Thank you for an overflowing cup. Thank you that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you that you're a good shepherd. Where you lead me, there's provision and peace. I give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Take your staff and divide the sea. You. Don't tell me to do it. You do it. Lord, we just ask you, Father, you see the sick people list that we put up on the screen. We ask that you would heal them where they're at. Go and touch them in their hospital rooms. I grew up in church like that. Many of you grew up in church like that. You ever notice that list didn't shrink much unless somebody died or got a successful surgery? That, that list at my church, my Pentecostal church in Maine, grew so much that my grandmother, who was Polish Catholic, and then when my mother got baptized in the Holy Ghost, she started going to church with her. You know, she, she, she got saved, born again, late in life. She, didn't, she wasn't strong on healing doctrine, but sitting in church and watching that list of sick people that we prayed for every year go from one column to two columns to a second slide with a column to a second slide with two columns. She got a bad diagnosis, Irene, about her heart. 
And her friend at church said, I'm going to call the pastor and have you put on the prayer list. And my grandma said, don't you get me on that prayer list. In other words, I'll figure it out myself. Once you're on there, you're not coming off. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They believe in the power of God, but because they're trying to get God to do what he told them to do, it doesn't work. And then you have frustration. Then you have people that grow up in church from age 0 to 18, and they've never seen one miracle. Then all it takes is one humanistic professor to, to, to make some cracks about God at college, and they come back after a semester, and they don't believe in God anymore. But it's not enough just to teach the Word. The Bible says Jesus taught, then preached, and healed. There needs to be a demonstration of the power of God that comes behind the Word that shows this generation God is not dead he is alive, and when you call on him, he'll answer you and do great and mighty things. Somebody say, stretch forth your rod and divide the water. That's what the Bible says. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. So you move and God moves. If you could do things the way other people think they can be done, I'd be home in Pittsburgh all week, sending thoughts and prayers to the lovely people of Southern California. I would just, you know, why fly here? It's not free to fly here. It's not free to get a house. Why not just stay in my living room and say, oh, Pastor Michael, I appreciate your invitation, but how many know God doesn't need me? He doesn't need any of us. Anything he wants to do, he can do. I'm just gonna pray right now from Pittsburgh. Oh, Father, send revival to the people of California, move by thy spirit, do things thy way, in Jesus' name, for we know we'll only get in the way. You don't need us, Father. You can, how many of you have heard words in church like that? Now, isn't it interesting that as that kind of teaching goes forth, you go from having Bible colleges all over the place to Bible colleges getting shut down all over the place and many more that are hanging by a thread getting ready to get shut down. Because you've told people, it doesn't, they, how many know God doesn't need you to get anybody saved? He can do this all by himself. Uh. But you can speak in that voice all you want. It's not what the Bible says. And I always get a little nervous when somebody goes into a pretend voice because I think you're tricking me. Unless you actually talk like that in real life. Welcome to in and out How can I help you? I'll have a double-double animal style with fries. Animal style as well. I don't hear anybody in this drive-thru. So if you talk like that in and out that's different. But if you don't, just use your normal voice and use the Bible. Can you say amen? So the Bible tells you the way to do it. Everybody say, stretch forth the rod. The rod was the power that God gave Moses. It was his authority. So as, you know, I don't mean to treat you like, like, like I'm talking down to you. I know almost everybody in here knows what I'm telling you. This is just a nice refresher. But the things in the Old Testament that were done physically are done spiritually in the New Testament. So when you get saved, we don't pass a rod out to everybody and tell you to use this. 
The rod is the one that proceeds from, from the root of Jesse, who is Jesus. And the rod's not in your hand. Christ lives on the inside of you. And then God, the same power that he gave Moses, now is not just for Moses or a prophet. It's to every believer, yeah, even those that call on the name of the Lord our God. That's what revival is. That's what God wants. It's not one preacher coming to California or a few. God is looking to raise up an army of believers and Southern California that have been held back, that have been told that they can't do much or there's too much against them or there's a strong man in the area that's greater than you. But this week, God has woken up people in a seven-mile radius that are going to go out, heal the sick, cast out devils, win the lost, and God's going to shake the golden state this year called 2023. You're not just going to watch it. You're going to be a part of it in Jesus' mighty name. you believe it, can you say amen? amen? Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Everybody say get moving. You know, I've been believing for it. Move on it. I've been believing for a car. Go to a dealership. Ask the Lord which one to go to. Start putting your feet on the ground. Watch what happens. You know, I needed a new vehicle. We had a Toyota Camry, which is a great car. But then the Lord spoke to me to start going on television, and we were packing all our TV equipment plus our suitcases, my wife and I, in that Toyota Camry. And it was, you know, it was unsafe to drive. It was weighed down. I looked like a, I had a drug dealer's car because it was all weighed down with the luggage. And then we had to pack the whole back seat up to the wall, up to the roof, and then through the two front seats where my wife and I, we never fought one time because we couldn't see each other talk. Didn't have any good conversations either. Just sat in dead silence. So, you know, at one point, not at one point, several churches, when I was loading my car up, they'd go, you, you need to get another car. And I felt like saying them. Knowing you need a car is the first step. Getting the car is the tricky part. But thanks for helping me realize what I already know. So I knew I needed a car, but I didn't have the money for one. And I definitely didn't have credit to get one or anything. And then we had a meeting at this little church in, in central Pennsylvania. They had 31 people. And uh, I stayed for five weeks. We had a bunch of people get saved the first week. And it went, in fact, uh, uh, it was two of our first ministry partners, Missy and Kevin. They were living together. They were in their 50s. And they came to the meeting one night. I think her mother went. They came in the meeting in the back. And the conviction came on them, and they came forward and got saved. I really enjoyed doing those little meetings, to be honest with you. It, it, I, I liked it. Like if you're a stand-up comedian, say how they enjoy going to little clubs, I, I get what they mean. Because it, it was, you know, you could focus on everybody. You actually could take time and pray with people, like, like a lot of time, because there weren't hardly any people there. And I didn't have anywhere to go. I was staying in a garbage hotel, so I was in no hurry to get back. So, so I'd, I'd really throw myself into the meeting. So the conviction came on them, and uh, they come to the altar and get saved. Well, the next night, they were so convicted, they wouldn't even sit next to each other. One sat on one side, and one sat on the other, and they said, we want to get married. I said, good. I never preached on marriage. I never told them, you, you two quit living. The Lord just worked on them. Just like when we did that Sturgis evangelistic thing, those guys had patches on their motorcycle jackets that were like filthy. I'm not saying that as a judgmental preacher. I went to public school. 
But I'm telling you, it was like, yo. Like other foul-mouthed people would be like, hey, take it easy. So one of our guys said, do you want us to tell him to take those patches off? I said, no, just leave it to the Holy Ghost and see what happens. And then the biker, the, the motorcycle club president posted on Facebook a picture of his vest with a bunch of clean rectangles on it where he had obviously cut patches off. And he said, when I woke up today, I was reading the Bible like they told us we should do every day, and I just felt to take these things off the back of my jacket. And so the Lord worked on it. Well, the Lord was doing that for those two. So they said, we want to get married. I said, good. Well, I said, go tell the pastor. Well, here's where you realize where religion can get in the way of what God's doing. So they tell the pastor they want to get married. They're both, I think Missy might have been in her 40s, and Kevin was in his early 50s. They've been living together for a while, you know, like, like I think years. We want to get married. Well, at this church, before I marry you, we have a six-month mandatory waiting period. They're not 17. They don't need to have the class about how one squeezes the toothpaste and the other rolls it up from the bottom, and these are the conflicts of living together. So he said, I, there's a six-month waiting period while you undergo counseling, and you can't live together. Well, how many people have the money freed up to pay two rents? So you actually put a roadblock that people, even with good hearts, can't follow. Now, it's one thing if somebody won't follow what the Bible says and ends up in hell. You can't do anything about that. But to put extra things in front of people where they, they want to do what's right, and you, you've made it so hard, that's what Jesus got upset about the Pharisees about. Can you say amen? amen? So when I heard that at 26, you know, I was 26, the pastor was an older guy. I said, listen, man, work with them. Get them married. They want to get married. They know about living together. They, they're, they're living together for a long time. And, and, and the Lord's working on them. Don't get in the way. Do it. So he married them. And then more stuff like that happened. So then when you have, you hit this breakthrough in a multi-week meeting, where then they tell their friends. Now you have some other hillbillies that are coming in from the woods of Pennsylvania don't go to church and have, the, have their camo under armor hats or whatever and their sleeves cut off that you can tell they don't go to church. You know, when, somebody's, when somebody brings a Dunkin' Donuts cup to spit tobacco in while you're preaching, you don't really need the discerning of spirits to know this might be a visitor. <laughs> if you would, queue up, um, I think I told you queued up one of the other nights, but I'll go back to do West Virginia night four with my Uncle Ted. So it starts moving. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And week five, we closed with 121 people, which is no, you know, it's not going to impress Reinhardt Bonnke, but we started with 31 people. I had, there was no Facebook then or uh, no marketing. I didn't have money to do marketing. So it, it was all, it was all people from the town in that church. And it was powerful to watch it grow like that. And they were coming on Sundays. So the offering, you know, normally I would have like $1,500 come in an offering, $700. Well, oh, we had like twenty-one grand come in. Because if there's a good meeting, the, 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 you know, everything, everything goes up. Miracles go up. Money goes up supernaturally, all that stuff. So now I thought, okay, now I have a little cash where I can finally do something about my car. And I can do a down payment and uh, get, get like a proper used SUV, and I saw the brand new black Cadillac Escalades that had come out back then. This is a while back when they first came out, and I thought, man, that's a nice car, and I was thinking, I wouldn't mind having that, and I talked to my dad. I called him up and was saying, he said, well, 
it's not even like a prosperity thing. He said, some of the places you're going to preach, because we were doing those outdoor crusades in Philadelphia and Camden, he said it probably would be better to drive a lower profile vehicle going into those bad parts of the city. And I said, yeah, you're right. So I already made up my mind. I was going to get a GMC uh, Yukon, I believe. So I'm driving, and as I'm driving, I had to go by the Cadillac dealership. So I went by, I'm driving by, and I felt the Lord speak to me, pull in. So I pulled in. He didn't say I had to buy anything. So I was going to pull in, come to a complete stop, put it back in drive, and pull out. <laughs> and when he said pull in, I was coming to a stop, and the salesman was aggressive. He was, he was already walking out to where I was at. <laughs> and he said, can I help you out? I said, uh, you know, just kind of made small talk, non-committal talk. I wasn't going to, I already had my mind made up and was actually, now that I had crossed the bridge in my mind, I was happy I was going to pay a lot less for a vehicle and have more cash in the bank. And so um, as I'm talking to him, a guy comes out from the dealership office and he goes, Brother Jonathan. You know, if there's one place you don't mind being called Brother it's a Cadillac dealership. I said, you know me? He said, uh, and I told you a similar testimony of this earlier in the week. He said, my son had Tourette's syndrome, and he was ticking real bad, bad enough that he had to get homeschooled. They sent him home because it was causing too much of a disturbance in the class and paid the mom to teach him. And he said, when he came to your, he came to, uh, your summer, he came to the Pendel camp for the Assemblies of God, and you prayed for him, and he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, just like the other guy, and his Tourette's went away. And he said, uh, were you looking to buy a Cadillac? I thought, yeah, I am now. I can smell Jesus on this thing. That's a lot of coincidences. I said, uh, I said well, I was looking to get, to get a, an SUV, and I felt to pull in here. I didn't know you worked here. He said, I don't know if you'd be interested in it or not, and he pointed at a 2011 Cadillac Escalade that was black. He said, somebody just turned this in earlier today. He said, and we put new tires on it, and I can't remember, they did one other thing. He said it was like $700. He said, if you're interested, I'll sell it to you for what the dealership paid for it, plus the 700 we have in it where we make no profit. And when he took me into the office and showed me, the price of that, with God getting involved, was less, like $8,000 less than the less expensive vehicle I was going to get. So what brought this up in the first place? Wherefore dost thou cry unto me? Tell the people to get moving. You'd be amazed what would happen if you'd take the step to get your feet on the ground of the thing that you're believing for. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Everybody say, get your feet on the ground. Say, get your feet on the ground. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. How many of you remember the, the old days when Brother Hagin was here? And if you're going to live in the past like that, and nobody's watched Brother Hagin more than me or listens to him more than me. I, I, have a, I have a flash stick to stick in my car that has every recorded message on it that he ever spoke. Just on a loop. 
But I'm not living in... Man, I remember when R.W. Schambach used to come through California. He'd pack out. Of, yes, he did. But he's in heaven now. Brother Hagen's in heaven. All those people are in heaven. And it's time for somebody to grab the torch and say, those men served their generation, and now I'm going to pick up the flame, and I'm going to give the devil a go in my generation. You know, those guys weren't anything when they started. He said, I, I don't really have that much. Those guys didn't have anything. They were nothing. If you saw that two-week revival we did in Parkersburg, West Virginia, the pastor of that church, Pastor Dave, the senior pastor, he went to um, Pastor Bob Rogers' church in Fort Worth back in the 70s when he first got saved. Guess who else went to that church? Kenneth Copeland's mother. And he said one night, he said, this would happen a lot. We were at a Sunday night prayer meeting, and they took prayer requests. And Kenneth Copeland's mom raised her hand. Yes, Sister, Cop uh, Sister Copeland, how can, we, how can we pray for you? Will you all pray for Ken? He can't get any meetings. They have him up at the Indian Reservation in Arizona, and ain't nobody coming out to hear him. Keep him in prayer. Yeah, he's just preaching a little, little Native American church in Arizona. No one's coming. Everybody has to have a beginning place. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Because if you don't quit, though your beginning is small, your latter end shall greatly increase. Nobody ever finishes with God where they started. I've been telling you all week, and I'm not doing it to blow smoke. God has you here for such a time as this. Not to watch California go down the toilet, but to do something by the Holy Ghost. And say, devil, you're not going to have the golden state. I'm here. God's given me his rod, and I'm going to part the rest. Red Sea. Somebody say, get moving. Amen. Moses, my servant's dead. You know, when, when, when the COVID lockdowns hit, I was waiting for some big ministry in Pennsylvania to take care of everything for me. And then, you know, days go by and you think, hey, where is everybody? And I remember, I remember one day I was playing video games. You know, there's nowhere to go. And it dawned on me. It's on you. No, nobody's coming. No Batman's coming. Felt like Rambo when the helicopter left him to die. All right, it's on me now. And I, I, I uh, finished my game, turned off my Xbox. And I, I remember I went to our upstairs spare bedroom, shut the door. And I had a short but sincere prayer with God. I said, all right, let's go, let's go to war. I'm not going to see on, on principle, I'm not going to see, if you start giving away religious freedom, it's over. You know, and I was very vocal about that, as many of you know, and have my t-shirts. <laughs> I remember there was a guy in Southern California, he argued with me. He's got, he's got a large ministry, and he argued with me on Twitter. Sometimes the best evangelization is cooperation. We're not to be a nuisance to the government. And then about 90 days later, he had to hire an attorney to sue the governor to open his church back up. And I wrote back to him, what happened to cooperation? Yeah. There's a, there is a thing called foresight where you can see what's coming. No one ever has permission to shut churches down for any reason ever. Amen. Did you know in the Bible... Took this away, because the devil will regroup and do another attack on, on different grounds. 
There could be an attack on the power grid where there's not enough electricity anymore, and now they have essential and non-essential electricity. We need them for hospitals and schools, and you can't have church. You don't ever, for any reason, throw religious liberty away. All you need is about a C minus grade in world history to know where that leads. If you start letting the government tell you when you can have church, how you can have church, and under what conditions, it's over. Now think of this in the Bible. In the Bible, God told bishops to be careful not to lord their authority over the body of Christ. So if bishops are told to be careful, how much more careful should outsiders be? Can you say amen? Joshua, so I, I told the Lord, I said, I, I, you know, I'm going to go. I need help. I mean, back then our ministry revenue was probably like a seventh of what it is right now. I didn't have money to challenge the attorney general. I didn't have a lawyer. And as soon as I stopped praying and I felt the Lord give me a green light to take the thing on, I, I, I finished my prayer and I picked my phone up and went on Twitter. I like going on Twitter, just see what's going on. And I had a direct message from a lawyer who's on Fox News all the time. She's actually based out of San Francisco. Her name's Harmeet Dillon. And she had seen something I posted, and she said, if you need help, I'll help you. She said, but we've been trying to help pastors, and they keep backing out when, when the pressure comes. Because she said, you're going to get death threats and stuff. And I wrote back to her. I said, if you want a dance partner, you got one in me. And I said, I won't back out. I'm not afraid to die. And I don't mean that tough, like I'm tough. I'm just not. Because I'm a Christian. You must wonder when you heard all these pastors talk about being safe and, we, you know, we need to not die. Are you saved? The Bible says loving not their own lives even unto death. The goal of life's not to stay alive. It's to, do, it's to accomplish work for the kingdom of God. So she fixed me up with a lawyer and we went to work from there. Yeah, there was no big ministry in Pennsylvania. Even when you look at the guys that stood in California, they weren't the guys with the biggest churches. At some point, it dawns on you, if you're ever going to do anything that matters in life, that it's on you. Because, you know, you're a kid for a long time. You're a kid for 18 years. And you're used to people, you know, you're used to everybody paying for stuff and taking care of you. And then one day it dawns on you when it comes to running the household. Good Lord, this is on me. I remember anytime something was sealed real tight on a jar and I couldn't get it open, I'd always call for my dad. And he'd put his big hand on it and twist it off. One day I was married, and I couldn't get these pickles open. I went to call for my dad. Oh, man, he lives in another state. This is on me. I took a knife and watched what my mother did, whacking the thing, and amazing I'm still alive with all the shattered glass. Yeah, there's a time where you lean on other people. But then there's a time, and this is the conversation that God had with Joshua, where it's now your time to take the thing by the tail and make up your mind what you're going to do. You know, with all the teaching on faith, it astounds me how many people can recite the principles of faith. But when it comes to practical things, like growing a church, believing for increase of numbers, growing your business, we don't have any help. You know, there's no workers that we can get to show up on time. That's an area to exercise your faith in. Can you say amen? When you need a new vehicle because the other one's jammed with equipment. God will make a way. Gee, what a coincidence that the man's son that got healed in my meeting was head of the dealership and gave me a vehicle. I didn't know any of that. I hadn't preached at that church in four years. But he remembered me because he remembered what happened to his son. There is a flow of the Holy Ghost. 
That if you'll get in that flow, God has a way to end around every obstacle that the enemies put in your way. And when I said every obstacle, I mean every obstacle. There is no special devil in California that's greater than the Holy Ghost. I don't care how wicked the demon spirits are in California. If they all group together, if every demon and the devil himself made it their mission to take California out, they can't do it because you're here. And greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. But you got to take your rod and you got to stretch it out and divide the sea. Everybody say, I'm here. I'm here. Moses, my servant's dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. So even when God gives you something, you have to take it by faith. Can you say amen? amen. The blessings of God, the promises of God, things people have prophesied over you, they don't fall into your lap like ripe cherries off of a tree. You have to contend because what did, what did the Apostle Paul say? There is before me a wide open door of opportunity, but there are many adversaries. There's an obstruction that the devil tries to do, and basically what he tries to get you to do is quit. Because if you don't quit, he has to quit. And I, that's what revival is. Something got breathed into your spirit this week and something's getting breathed into your spirit tonight where the things that used to make you fold your cards and back down, you're never going to back down again. You're going to go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. There is no devil that can take you out because you're hooked up with Jesus Christ. Come on, if you receive that, take 30 good seconds. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord in California. Hey! I promise you what I promised Moses. So I know, I know you're sad that Moses is dead, but remember this, Joshua. Everything I promised Moses, I promise you. Bible says there is no private revelation in the Bible. What I say to one, I say to all. You know, one time I posted these scriptures on Facebook and some, some religious person, you know, that, that was God talking to Joshua. No kidding. But did you notice when Joshua wrote it down, God didn't say, hey, what are you writing that down for? This is a private conversation. No, it's recorded in perpetuity. These things the Bible says are written for our ensamples or our examples. What God says to one, he says to anyone. Matthew eleven eleven, The Bible says, Jesus said, of all who have lived up until now, none is greater than John the Baptist. First part. Second part of the verse. But even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Think of that. Jesus said, who I consider an expert in the Christian faith, of everyone who has lived up until now, None are greater than John the Baptist. If you're writing a math equation, all of everybody in the Old Testament is less than or equal to John the Baptist. But everyone in the kingdom, by redemption, you, me, is, at the, is greater, not greater or equal to, greater than he. Was John the Baptist redeemed by the blood of Jesus? It's not a trick question. 
Was John the Baptist redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Could John the Baptist be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues? No. So there are things, because the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, we now have a better covenant based on better promises. Of all that lived until now, none is greater than John the Baptist. But even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So when you read about David, these are the days of Elijah. No, they're not. The Bible says Elijah looked afar off and longed to be in our day. Those Old Testament saints wished they could be in our day. They couldn't say, Father, in the name of Jesus. They could cry out for mercy. They could cry out, oh, Lord, hear our cry. We don't have to cry. We can come boldly before the throne because when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil in the temple that shut men out was torn from top to bottom, that now even the lowest Christian can have an audience with God the Father at will. Say it so the devil can hear you. I have a better covenant built on better promises. And then the pro so when you watch these guys, you're watching guys that had less at their disposal than you have. Moses parted the sea. Yes, he did. But Moses wasn't greater than Jesus. And actually, when you study what Moses did, they were all physical demonstrations of what's been done to us. They were in physical bondage to Egypt. Man now is in spiritual bondage to sin. God sent a deliverer named Moses, who's a type of Christ, that prophetically didn't raise up a political party with signs and wonders. Moses said, Pharaoh will never let us go. God said, I know he won't. But by signs and wonders, I will change him. And he went from saying, I'll never let you go to please leave now and bless me in the name of your God before you go. And the Bible says when they walked through the parted Red Sea on dry ground, when they walked through that water, it was a type of baptism. And that cloud by day, that moisture that kept them from the heat of the sun. The Bible says they were all baptized in the cloud unto Moses. But we are baptized in water unto Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I was teaching on this one time when I, when I was younger, late 20s, at a young adults retreat. This young adults retreat was set up just to be, you know, sled riding and roasting hot dogs, which is fine. You have to eat and fellowship's good. But, you know, they wanted to keep the services short and just do like a little devotional. So with, with the guy that put the thing on's permission, I said to the young adults group, you know, these are young adults, not even like mature necessarily. And I said, uh, I said, listen, I know there's a lot of activities planned today and you're welcome to go to them. This is not a test. But I said, if anybody's interested in what I'm speaking on today, which I was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, I said, I'm going to do a two-hour session on the gifts of the Spirit at some annex hall that was on the campground. I said, you're, you, you know, you're free to, to play, but if anybody's interested to hear more, I'd like you to come. Everyone came. I think there was 400 and some young adults. Everyone came except two, and then when the two people went to the activity, it wasn't enough to do the activity, so then they came too, against their will. <laughs> and that's something I've been touching on, and it's not to be critical of California or American pastors, but... You know, that young adults leader thought people want to go sled riding, and actually, they want to hear about the Holy Ghost. And pastors have made a mistake in the United States of gearing church to people thinking they're not hungry. 
They, can, they can't pay attention that long. And they're not, you know, that's a lot for people to digest on a Sunday morning. And so they give this little cleaned up nothing service that's not offensive and dismissing prayer when really Californians are, look at it. I will tell you this. I have not gone anywhere where the morning 10 a.m. service in a weekday, particularly in a place like California where you have to work. Even homeless people sell drugs. Because in California, you have, you have to hustle. Can you say amen? The people that are considered lazy in California are hardworking in other parts of the country. Amen? They even sell multiple types of drugs. They're entrepreneurial. Amen. I'm not promoting it, just saying some terrible analogies to use from the platform. So you can't tell me. You know, if I meet a pastor from California after this and they say, well, Jonathan, I know you preach like that. You're from the East Coast. Californians are very laid back people and they, you know, they're not really into all that. I'm going to say, now listen, unless I met 400 and some people that are, are an anomaly, I met a lot of people in California and I met some of the hungriest people that were not content to just come out at seven o'clock and we haven't been having short services. Even if someone doesn't like me, they couldn't say, I don't like him. He doesn't really give it his all. And just give some little three-hour message. No. Give, having long services at night, people come back during the day, and those are three hours. And then you fight traffic, maybe, maybe get 20 minutes to lay down in the afternoon, maybe not even that. Pick up your kids from school. You got people all over the place that are hungry, and spiritual leaders have a responsibility to quit hiding the food from the people that are hungry. Can you say amen? amen? I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I've given to you. That's why I went to this text. Everybody said, get your feet moving. God said, tell the people to get moving. The sea hadn't parted yet. So God didn't part the sea, and then he said, get moving. He said, start walking towards the sea while it's unparted. That's called the walk of faith. Can you say Amen. Move. Get your feet on the ground. Get to the place you're believing for. See what happens. See who God has waiting in the parking lot. See who God has already prepared there as the director of sales that shift. You'd be amazed. Well, I believe God's going to. Then prove it with your feet. Can you say amen? God makes you prove your belief by your actions. Then Jesus, when they lowered, when they lowered the man through the ceiling, the Bible says, then Jesus, seeing their faith. Everybody say, seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. faith has corresponding action. Jonathan, pull into the Cadillac dealership. Now, Lord, you know I don't have money to buy a Cadillac. He didn't tell me there was going to be a guy that he just, you know, just listen. When you become a parent, you start realizing why God is frustrated sometimes. You, know, you tell your three-year-old, hey, do this. Why? Just do it. I've already thought all this through. Could you please just grab your jammies? Why? I don't feel like telling you the end from the beginning. Just do what I tell you. Can you say amen? And people want God to tell them the whole thing and show them the whole thing, but he doesn't. Because then you'd be walking by sight and not by faith. Just do the instruction that he tells you to do, and you'll find out you don't have a dummy for a father. You have an awesome, intelligent God who has your best interest at heart. 
Moses, my servant's dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you. How many people will be able to stand against you? Now, it doesn't say they won't try. They battled all kinds of people in Joshua. The devil runs his mouth, but he doesn't have the capacity to make good on his threats. We did a stadium crusade, and the man that owned the stadium, and we've done several, so don't try to pin who it is that I'm talking about. The man that uh, owned the stadium, who leased it to us to do the crusade, he said uh, he got contacted by one of their sports team's main sponsors, the, the sponsor, the stadium sponsor. So uh, like at San Jose, they have SAP Arena. It'd be like if SAP called the owner of the sports team and said, now listen, if you have that guy come and preach, we're pulling our money and pulling our sponsorship because he's anti-LGBTQIA+, which I'm not. I didn't even know. I'm from the 80s. I I went to go preach in, in New Jersey and did an outdoor crusade in the month of June they, they, they put on national news. He's going, he's going, this is gay pride month. I'm from the 80s. In the 80s, it was June. It's not like I'm planning my ministry year. Now, what are we going to do for gay pride month? It's June. Can you say amen? amen? So they said, if you have him preach, we're going to pull our sponsorship from your team. And you know what he told them? He's, he's not even born again. Pull it. Well, we're just telling you what we've discussed we're not actually going to pull it. You're going to find, it, let me tell you something. Anytime somebody threatens you, they're not going to do what they threaten. Otherwise, they'd just do it. That's how we got 400 death threats when we kept our ministry open. We got 400 death threats in three days. We didn't take the phones off the hook because we couldn't get anything done because people kept calling and telling they want to kill me. Like, what do you want the person to do that answered the phone? I want to I kill Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Well, he has a Tuesday at 9. And then if you need something later in the week, he has a Thursday at four. We don't take appointments, so do it. People that actually kill you, don't message you on Facebook ahead of time. Sammy the Bull Gravano didn't have a Facebook account letting people know he's going to kill him. They just kill you. So anytime you hear someone say, we're going to do this, look at Goliath. I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. Do it then. You've been running your mouth for 40 days and 40 nights, but you haven't killed one person yet. All you are is a giant, big tooth, giant forehead loser that can run your mouth, but you don't have the capacity to take out the children of God. And you're going to find when giants raise their head, they can run their mouth, but they don't have, giants don't have the capacity to take out the children of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. My dad's youngest brother, you know what's funny is my dad, my dad and his three brothers are on the ministry, but they don't keep in touch much because they're all alpha males. I, I have people say sometimes, we should get your dad and all his brothers in for a camp meeting. That'd be great if you wanted a full out fist fight on the platform. <laughs> Why? Well, I never saw a 50 year old man punched in the face because his brother wanted the tambourine. <laughs> and the funny thing was, Because they're all wired the same way, 
without ever discussing it with each other, they all kept their ministries open and defied the COVID mandates. So there's a video. <laughs> My dad's youngest brother was in Virginia. You know, Virginia was East Coast California as far as lockdowns go. So the police, three squad cars come, and then they say we need, they need to speak to the pastor because my, my, my uncle wasn't having church outside. He was having it indoors. And so the cops come, and my, my uncle came out, and he works out. And I also work out, but you can't tell. You can tell he works out. No one's ever worked so hard to have a below-average body than me. I'm sure I'll start seeing the effects any day now. So my uncle's a big guy, you know, probably 6'1", 260, muscle, and like big chest, and he, you know, he wears nice suits. So they're expecting some CBS miniseries, Lifetime movie channel, <laughs> Mr. Rogers looking pastor to come out. And he comes out, it's the funniest video you ever see, because he has a cup of espresso. And he comes out It's like a scene from Godfather 2. And he comes out real calm, and there, you know, normally when you see cops, the cops are quiet, and the criminal's nervous. You know, like Judge Judy, you can't even get the guys talking when he's coming through the doors. And my uncle, you can tell he's not tremoring because he has a thing of coffee. And Reverend, um, and then more coming out of the cars, and they're all smaller than him. And um, you, you, we're going to allow you to have service this week, but if you're here next week, you know, if something's illegal, it's illegal now. It's not illegal next week. <laughs> we're going to let you to finish smoking your crack right now, but if we catch you smoking crack next week, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Just the fact that they're talking like that shows that they don't have any ground to stand on, and they need you to back down. Can you say amen? <laughs> so my uncle's dead. And then when they get all done, he goes, see you next week at 10 a.m. and make sure you bring more than three squad cars. <laughs> and walks in and goes to preach. Well, that's not a direct threat, but that's an implied threat. It's going to take more than you, you guys to bring me in. I, I'm, I'm preaching. Well, guess what? They never came back again. <laughs> never saw them. Because you don't have to fight the devil. All you have to do is be bold. And I'm going to read in Joshua 1. Be bold. Somebody shall be bold. Be courageous. Shall be courageous. Why? Not because you're strong. Not because you're Rambo. Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. You make the move and God will back you. Man, you sounds good in here. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The devil's getting shaken out. Shake him out of California. Praise him out of California. Hallelujah. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Lift your hands wherever you're at. There's people all through this room. More than there isn't. The Lord's already spoken to you what the next step is to take. God's already told you what the next thing is to do. And you've been hesitant. What will happen if I do it? You've been afraid to step out into the unknown. Or as my favorite Puerto Rican preacher says, step out into the wild. 
been saying where it's safe. But now the Lord's putting a fire in your belly to go and take the land. Moses is dead. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to take the land, to rise up and possess the land. I've already shown you, O son of man, what is good. You don't, you don't not know the next step to take. You know. God's told you the move to make. And you're going to come out of this service. You're going to make the move. And everything's going to be different after tonight because you're putting your feet on the ground. And God's going to part that sea. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. The righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein forever. The wicked like the grass will fade away. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm not going down. I'm going up. He that began a good work in me shall bring it to completion. Now lift your hands. Just begin to thank God out of your mouth. Thank him out of your mouth. Yeah, don't knock California. Listen to this noise. Listen to people praying. Listen to people's fire. Listen to people's passion. God's not finished with California. Take 30 more seconds. Go. Thank him. Thank him for all he's done. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. From generation to generation. Somebody shout amen like thunder. Give the Lord the mightiest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You don't have to fight. Just stand. Just give God the highest praise. And God abides in the praises of his people. When God steps in, everything else has to step out. Yeah, you're coming out. There hasn't been a demon created that can take you out. Jesus is on the inside, working on the eye, working on the outside. The Word is working mightily in you. Welcome to California Camp Meeting 2023. God's not forgotten about California. Hallelujah. And all the Mexicans said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. El milagros de Dios. El fuego de Dios. Arribe. Vámonos. I don't know what you're supposed to do now. What do you do now? Jesus is in this room. Jesus loves California. Jesus loves Californians. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus loves your children. Jesus loves your business. He's on your side. He's a very present help in times of trouble. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't left you out to dry. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He's with you. I said he's with you. He's not finished with you. Who does the devil think he is? Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled. I see the walls of Jericho falling down. I see every, right now, everything that's been erected by the enemy, I see it coming down before the children of God. You want to march in and possess the land. The anointing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. El Congratulations in advance for one victory after another victory after another victory after another victory. 2023 is your time. 2023 is your time. It's time to make the devil pay. Do you have my Uncle Ted with, with Rodney? No, no, the one with Rodney. Roll it. Stay on your feet. This will make it even stronger. Greet the people. Turn it up. There's a spirit of faith in the air. Praise God. Amen. I was just thinking of the verse of scripture where the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came in the midst of the congregation upon Jehaziel and said, the battle is not your battle, but the battle is the Lord's. And I was looking at a modern translation and it said, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. So if God's fighting a battle, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. The doctor tells you you're going to die, you're going to make it. If you wonder where the next dollar is coming from, you're going to make it. And it'll turn into a million. Hallelujah. If you wonder what you're going to do next, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're going to make it when nobody else is making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. He's never lost one fight. Glory. I'm going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to make it. Every day you wake up, you're going to make it. 
No matter what the world's happened tonight, we're going to make it. I dare you to say, I'm going to make it. Shout, I am making it. Right now. The battle. Not my battle. Basil, the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. I'm making it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I am making it right now. The singers are out ahead of us. I hear them singing. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Just today, the mayor of Atlanta sent me the contract for Turner Field. Hallelujah. I'm the only preacher they're letting in this year, they said. But I think I'm going to spearhead it. You go in there. Amen. Because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. We're going to make it. Hallelujah. The mayor didn't know it, but he's going to make it. Hallelujah. What he made happen for me, God's going to make happen for him. Hallelujah. Last time I was there, the mayor was Hakeem somebody, and he took me for every nickel he could get. And there was a lady that helped me. Her name was Keisha Bottoms. And I got so happy, I said, Keisha, you're the mayor now. I'm making you the mayor. And a few months after I left there, they called and said she became the mayor in January. Amen. And she was the mayor the last four years. But now the guy that's there now, he's a spirit-filled brother. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. I dare you to lift your hand and just say, Lord, I'm winning. I'm winning my battle right now. I'm making it right now. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going under. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to let anything keep me down. I'm going to make it because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Everything's turning around for my good. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're making it right now. Oh, glory to God. Then look at your neighbor and tell him, you're going to make it, 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 you're going to make it. Hey, glory to God. You are making it now. Battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. When you hear what my Uncle Ted's getting ready to say to Pastor Rodney, this is in January. Pastor Rodney wasn't traveling yet. He was staying in Tampa like he has been the last two years. Look at him now. They can't fit anybody in any church. They have to move everything into a convention center. All these words came to pass. What a night. Hallelujah. This is just Pentecostal people blowing smoke and going back. Let me tell you, when you hear him say the Holy Ghost said million-dollar offering, billion-dollar flow, I got mine. I want to say Everybody say, I receive it. I receive it. Go ahead, play the rest. 
Spirit of the Lord said million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Hallelujah. For the years over, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Glory to God. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're making it right now. You're not even faking it. You're making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. Glory to God. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you in the midst of the congregation. He'll spin you like a top. You'll run like a, a deer. Glory to God. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. There'll be a new wind and a second breath. New wind, Glory second to God. Breath. Be a fresh wind from glory. Hallelujah. Take you around the world and up and down and all around. Oh, the battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Did I tell you you're going to make it? Hallelujah. No more struggling. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so I tell every one of you, you're going to make it. Look up to your elder brother Jesus right now. Say, Lord, thanks for helping me make it. Whatsoever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. Our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith in God. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. And as a dear man taught me years ago, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. You know, stay on your feet because I'll, I'll wrap up. And I'm not tired, but you, you, you would be stupid to keep preaching. You, you preach so there's the break, breakthrough. There's a break. We're going to set everyone down. Now back to point two. No. <laughs> you preach to the whole. Bible says in Acts chapter 10, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Ghost fell upon all those who heard the message. And there could be no doubt about, about it, for they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. That's what preaching does. I posted that video on Instagram and I said, people struggle because they go, they hook up with the wrong people and they go to the wrong meetings. When he said million dollar offering, billion dollar flow, I hooked into it with my spirit and, the, and I told the Lord, we had 1.8 million in the bank. I said, if you get me to three, I'll sow one. And when, that was January. By March, we had three. I sowed the one and now we're almost back up at four. From one meeting. You're not gonna get that at an ARC conference. You're not going to get it there. You're going to hear a lot of good principles, a lot of places, but you're not going to get the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost can do more in one day than man can do in a thousand years. Congratulations in advance on the best year that you've ever had. Where's that, where's that kid that keeps, that keeps yelling strong? Come right up. You know, that's not a normal voice. That, that's an unnatural voice. That's a supernatural voice. Lift both your hands. I'm not saying this because you were shouting. I'm telling you, God's going to make you a mighty preacher. You're going to preach with authority. When you preach, demons are going to come out of people without you even praying for them. In Jesus' name. Come on. 
God's going to raise mighty preachers up in this room tonight. If I've ever had this happen, like it's happened tonight, where I you just, just can't preach anymore, this may be the, it'd be three times or less in 21 years. California people are different. Yeah, they're better. They're better people. Better people. Amen. Everybody say, I'm a better breed. Paul used those words in the Bible talking about they were a better breed of Christians because they searched the scriptures daily. All Christians aren't the same. When I came, I wanted to give you meat, but you couldn't take it, so I could only give you milk. Other places, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians contains no rebuke. They were a better church. The Corinthian church was a mess. The Ephesian church, you didn't have to correct anybody for doing crazy stuff. I'm telling you, I'm not saying this to get the crown on my side. You don't get the crown on your side on the last night. You get them on your side on the first night. I'm telling you this from an honest heart. You're great people. God's hand's on your life. God's hand's not on your life to frustrate you. So you can go into some invisible warfare with the devil. You're going to have the best year that you've ever had. The devil's going to have to refund seven times everything he took in these last three years. This is your time for payback. This is your time for payback. The devil's going to pay for what he did in 2020, 2021, and 2022. God's on the move in California. You notice they only have border problems in Arizona and Texas, but it's tight as can be in California because they're nervous because they let Hispanic people in trying to do one thing, but it turns out Hispanic people are God-fearing people and family people, and it's starting to make the whole thing backfire. And what the devil meant for bad, God's going to take it and flip it for good. California's not lost. California is the home of Holy Ghost-filled believers that are going to take this place for God. How can anyone live there? I would live here in a heartbeat. I've met nothing but great people. Nothing but hungry people. Wonderful people. God's hands on your life. I wonder who God's going to use. They're right here. You're going to come out of this meeting and give the devil the hardest kick in the no-nos that he's ever had in Jesus' mighty name. Well, I want everybody that's on this side that would like hands laid on them. This is a laying on of hands for impartation and for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost doesn't have a twin brother who heals people. It's the same Holy Ghost. I came because I'm sick. Get, get filled with the fire. Watch what the fire does. The fire will burn out sin. It'll burn out sickness and disease. It'll make you into the image of Christ. It'll change your life. Have you been blessed tonight? I'm going to play one video that I was going to, you know, when back I had this order that the service was going to go in. Now that's all ruined, but uh, I want to play one video because this one's very touching. I was preaching at a, South, at a church in South Carolina, and when I waited after to say hi to everybody, there was a lady that drove three hours, and her testimony would be in the top ten of ones I've heard, in my opinion. It got, it got some of the most interaction on um, Instagram, 
that I've ever received. For some reason, it's just a very touching testimony. So she was on Suboxone, living in her car with no money. And I popped up on her YouTube, which I've been meeting a bunch of you this week that you said I just popped up on your YouTube. I pray the Lord keeps having me just pop up on people's YouTube. <laughs> and you're talking about a lady that had nothing and is addicted to drugs. And this is where, you know, people say, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. Then you haven't met a lot of people. Because if someone's in their car with no money for food, God actually doesn't have a plan for them to prostitute themselves out for more money. He has a plan where if they put him first and start working what the word says to do, he'll not only heal their body, he'll not only break addiction, he'll improve their life where they don't have to live in their car anymore. And isn't it interesting how all the top anti-prosperity preachers we found out have three homes and make million-dollar salaries? They're liars. God wants people blessed. I don't know if you've ever been poor or not. I have before. It's not fun. It's not fun yelling at your kid to tell him to put the Fruit Loops, put those Fruit Loops back. Go get the white box with Polly the generic cereal parrot. Has a gold tooth and a parole bracelet around one ankle. No, that's not how God wants you to live. When you, now think, think of this with me. Even the rudimentary commands of Scripture require a surplus of money. Feed the hungry. That means you would then have to have more than enough food for your family. You have to have enough to share with others. Clothe the naked. That means then you have to have more than enough clothes for you and your family. Just little, the simple commands. Helping the gospel go into all the world. You know what's interesting to me? Is when you hear an anti-prosperity preacher preach against prosperity, then at the end, ask for support to help their ministry. Yeah. Where are we supposed to get the money from if we're all not to have any money and to have just enough? I don't understand. I don't understand how you just preached against money for 30 minutes and now want some of mine. Can you say amen? amen? But then if you'll flip it around, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow. The righteous shall possess the land. Talk about physical land and will dwell therein forever. You'll feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. If all you have to do is believe it and participate, and the same way God has a healing plan that you can walk in and a freedom plan that you can walk in, freedom from drugs, that God has a blessing plan financially for you to walk in. You know this jacket that I threw on today? Well, the, uh, let me just tell you the story behind it. It's a, it's a, let me, I'll tell you the story. I was preaching in Texas. I was booked for like here, Sunday through Friday, and it ended up going four weeks. So in week two, this guy from the oil field came up to me and goes, I notice you've, been, you've worn the same suits more than once because I only packed for one week because I have no faith. So I was only believing for the meeting to go one week. And um, he said, uh, I, I want you to be, I, I, he said, I already gave in your offering, but I want to give you some money to buy some more suits. Now remember, I didn't say anything to anybody. Sorry if I'm wearing the same suit. I don't have any clothes. I didn't say anything like that. I didn't realize anyone was in the crowd outfit tracking me. It's like a little chart. Gray pants, black jacket. So he said, I've already given in the offering, but I want to give I want to buy you suits for while you're here. I said, okay. So he said, How much does a new suit cost? He said, I work in the oil field, I've never bought a suit before. Well, that's like somebody asking you, how much does a car cost? Mm, between five hundred and two point one million dollars. Whether you buy an old used car, whether you buy a Bugatti. Well, suits are, suits are the same. You, you know, there's suits that are, there's a Japanese suit maker that all the buttons are gold. 
you know, so asking how much, it, but so he puts me in an awkward position because I don't want to tell him some amount and then he checks and you can actually find suits for less than that. And it's like the preacher tried to rip him off. So I said, I said, if I look, I can get a good suit because I know where to look. I could get a good suit for $500. He said, okay, I'm going to bring you $2,500 tomorrow night so you can buy five more suits. The next night he comes and he says, hey, I wanted to tell you, I looked on the internet to see how much suits cost. And I was thinking, oh man, is this guy going to tell me like, I looked and you can get one at Walgreens for $90. <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah, all right, you know, I, I, whatever, you, you asked me. But he didn't say that. He said, you can get a suit for $500, but not a great one. He said, the way I was looking, he said a very good suit was about $2,000. So he said, here's $10,000 cash to go buy suits. Now, that wasn't to feed the hungry. That wasn't to clothe the naked. He said, this is $10,000 to buy suits. Well, you only got to tell me once. So I went to this store called Etro, E-T-R-O. It's a fabric maker from, from Milan. And they only have a few stores in the United States. One of them is right by Jerry Jones' house in Dallas. So I went to that store, and I picked five suits out, or sport coats, some suits, and I laid them all on the counter. And when they said that's 9000 whatever dollars, I took the money and went like this. Now, you don't have to do this, but I went and slammed it on the counter. <laughs> the lady goes, how are you going to pay for this? I said, cash. And, and Dominique Wilkins, overhand, <laughs> slammed it on the counter because it felt good. She goes, wow, we don't get people to do this much, like that in here much. I thought, well, you're telling me. I used to walk in stores like, you ever walk in an expensive store and it's like all the salespeople know you don't belong in there? Can I help you? It's like they know what your income is. So you're going to have a hard time convincing me that the devil made that happen. There was a guy, I hardly had any suits, hardly had any money, couldn't get my car fixed, nothing. And I went to go preach a youth night on a Friday night. And um, the pastor came to the youth service. It was a youth rally. It was in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I preached, and we had a great service. And the pastor got up. The youth pastor was going to close the service up, but the, I, heard the past, I saw the pastor talk to him, and he came up and closed it out. He said, what we've, I never met the guy before. He said, what we've witnessed today is a gift that God gave to the church called the evangelist. He said, in the 50s in the United States, there were many evangelists, and then it's kind of died out, but I believe, as I watched him tonight, God's going to restore that office to the church. And he said a bunch of nice stuff about me. So then when he finished, he comes over to me and goes, I'm sure you're busy. No, I wasn't. I'm sure you're busy, but could you stay and preach for me on Sunday morning? This was a big church. I mean, I used to preach at churches so small, if you bent over at the pulpit, you hit your head on the back pew. That's a... 20-some people they'd see. This was like a thousand-person church. I said, oh, yeah, I can stay. And he said, I, I'd like you to stay. Well, we had a great service then. I would have, like I told you, I'd have 500 to $700, $1,200 come in in a week. That guy had me preach that youth night and then Sunday morning, and his treasurer came and brought a check. He took it out of the envelope, looked at it, handed it back to her and whispered, and I saw what the check was. She came back with double they had given me 4000 and he came back with eight. He gave me $8,000, and then he said, come with me. He drove me to Washington, D.C., and he took me to this suit store in Georgetown, and I, I don't know whether he called the head or, or what, but he had four suits already picked out. 
He said, do you like any of these suits? I said, yes. He said, do you like all of them? I said, I do. He took all four, put them on the counter, and slapped his American Express card. When the transaction went through, he handed them to me and went, you'll preach the gospel all over the world in these suits. And I had never left the country at that point. And then my next thing opened up, and I had forgotten about that word, but I just grabbed some suits for the road to go preach in India. And when I was getting dressed for the first meeting, I pulled that suit out and thought, man, this thing's real. The same God that has a plan to get you to heaven has a plan to clothe you, has a plan to feed you. Let me tell you, now, I'm not going to keep you here all night, I promise. But I, I, this is my last night with you. Anybody ever heard of uh, Dr. Jesse Duplantis? He has a small, struggling evangelistic ministry out of Louisiana. Do you know when he left the Check this testimony out. He told me this. When he left the music industry to become an evangelist, he went and preached at a church for a week. They never paid him. They kept all the offerings. So he fasted all week because he didn't have any money when he went to the meeting. They didn't give him anything during the meeting. So he's driving home. I'm talking a fast, like water, because he had no food. Drinking fountain at the church. So he's driving home. He's out of gas pretty much, goes in and, and has enough money that somebody handed him to get gas. And as he's gassing up, not having eaten for eight days, they had a popcorn machine in the gas station that they were throwing into the trash. And when they had it bagged up, taking it to the trash, like a starving man, because he was a starving man. He said to the guy that owned the gas station, are you throwing that popcorn out? He said, yeah. He said, would you mind if I had it? The guy said, no, it's fine. And he said, I guess because of the way I ate it, like hunched over, like you just got out of prison. The guy said, when's the last time you ate? He said, it's about eight days. The guy said, why don't you get a job? He said, I do have a job. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm, I'm a preacher. He said, well, how come you don't have any meetings? He said, I do have meetings. I just finished preaching for a week. The owner of the gas station went, where? It was a church like an hour and a half away. So he told him the town. He said, was it such and such a church? Jesse Duplantis said, yeah. He went, did they keep your offerings? He said, well, since he brought it up, yeah. He said, yeah, I know that guy. I figured they did. Come in the gas station with me. And he took the cash register. This is in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Popped the cash register open, took $4,600 out of the gas station and handed it to him and said, you'll preach the gospel all over the world. You think the devil did that? You think the devil felt bad and got him some money? You think the devil had a meeting in hell? Now, listen, we've been really hard on Brother Jesse. Let's, you know, this is a little much. The same one that's El Shaddai, the same one that's Jehovah Rapha, the same Jehovah Sitkanu is also Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, and El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Can you say Amen. There's almost nothing I pull out of my closet or suitcase to get dressed in that doesn't have a story behind it. I, I've, I haven't hardly bought anything for myself. The Lord just keeps telling me good job. So this woman that you're going to hear, check this out. So she, she hears me preach. Part of the preaching of the prosperity message is God will bless the work of your hands. It's not sitting at home waiting for checks to show up or buy enough scratch-off tickets so check this out. She gets a job. This is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. She's a sub suboxone addict living in her car, 
gets free from Suboxone, gives her life to the Lord, and then listens to me preach on YouTube that you're to get a job. So she gets a part-time job at the Dixie Paper Cup Paper Plate Factory as a custodian, part-time. She said, I would keep my AirPods in listening to you preach while I cleaned. They promoted me from part-time to full-time. Then the engineers all came because there was a problem with the machinery. I don't know that this lady graduated high school. She's living in her car. The engineers can't figure out the problem, and the Lord speaks to her by the Holy Ghost. Go over to where they're at. So she goes over, takes her AirPod out, and she said, the Lord showed me what was wrong. So I told them how to fix it, and it worked, and they went. And now she's the in charge of that entire section of the Dixie paper plate, paper cup, plastic fork, plastic knife, plastic spoon. You want to tell me the devil did that? Oh, no. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. And if you get on his page, he'll promote you. All right. Since I told her whole testimony, let her uh, fill in any gaps. Go ahead. Came and saw Jonathan for the South Carolina meetings. I've actually been following him for probably about four years. Uh, back before COVID, but this is the first time coming to see him live. Um, he called me out and uh, perfectly nailed everything like uh, that the devil tried to kill me, which he had. I was in a head-on collision, broke neck, shattered knee, got addicted to uh, pain medication that then, you know, got addicted to Suboxone, but God has delivered me from that. The enemy tried to take you out, and then the enemy's tried to take you out. And by take you out, I mean actually kill you. And both of you stood, and that was the time you actually drew near to God, and so that saved your life. Now that the Lord has saved your life, he's going to reverse the effects of the attack that tried, that, that tried to take you out. I won't say anything more specific than that because it's nobody's business. It was like you got in too deep and thought, I, I, I need out of this. And you reached out to God and he stayed the attack. Now you're going to get back everything the devil stole from your health. What Jonathan doesn't realize through the four years, or he does now, but the four years that I have followed him, I was in a bed just not doing anything with my life just pretty much dead and I listened to him every single day and it built faith it built faith in me and I went from being worthless nothing not I mean nothing to running a whole production department and a plant a, a whole packaging department and it was every step of the way that I had the ear pods in with um Jonathan preaching, building faith, and I come here tonight expecting a miracle to be delivered off of the Suboxone and off of cigarettes. Um, and I know that when he laid his hands on me, I am healed. I, I know it. All your bones. Give you a bonus to help you. Take this hand, put it on your mouth. Curse the taste of that stuff off your lip and tongue. You'll never touch it again. You won't even have a desire for it. God used him to pick me up out of a pit. 
that I really should not have, I shouldn't be alive. But um, I'm just grateful for this home ministry, so I'm partnered with it, and you know, uh, I guess that's it. So that's one of our partners. We have about 12,000. And that's why they can run all the ads on CNN they want and all the specials, mocking evangelists and stuff. You're not going to get her to not partner with the ministry. She experienced it first. She didn't get tricked into it. God pulled her out of a pit. So we're going to receive the final offering of the week. There's a lot more ladies like her. And what you read in the Bible, this is what, how offerings work. When you take what you could eat yourself, God doesn't have a gun to your head. We don't take an offering brandishing a 357. They're called free will offerings. So when you make the choice to take what you could consume yourself and instead get the word out, there's, she's not the last one in that shape. She had her husband and son with her. You know how different their lives are now? Go from living in your car to your mom having a factory manager salary. The gospel, what did Paul say in Colossians 1.6? This same good news is going out and changing lives everywhere the same way it changed your life the first day you heard and believed the truth. So when you make a decision to send the gospel out with your money, God gets interested in that. You become a partner with God, a financial partner with God. You become an investor in his endeavor. And when you invest, if you invest in Dutch Brothers, that stock, when it goes up, you go up. When you invest in a company that goes up, as they increase, you increase. When you invest in the kingdom of God that only increases, nobody connects their money with that work. It's so precious to God. Anybody ever use Colgate toothpaste? He was, a, he was a young soap maker, and the ship captain told him when he was sailing to New York, son, if you'll take your business money and partner it up with the word of God going out, God will bless your soap company. So he tried it, started tithing. By the end, he was giving 50% of Colgate's revenue away to missions and keeping 50. Not to help missions, to help him. Because he realized the more he gave to God, the more came back to him. So that's why we don't come anywhere for an honorarium. Honorariums rob the people of their ability to give. Let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit. Offerings are an opportunity to come into financial covenant with God. Can you say Amen. So there's no chance of you asking the Lord what, he would, what the Holy Spirit would have you to give and giving precious seed to keep this work going and you not seeing a change in your own life. That couple that I brought up in the beginning, Missy and Kevin, they decided to partner. They were our second or third partner ever. They decided to partner at $20 a month. If the lady's not ready to get off the floor, then leave her be. What's going on? Is she dead? Seizure? Then get her help. Like actual help. $20. They chose to give $20 in the offering instead of fill their oil up. And their oil filled supernaturally up. They thought the company was going to come and drain the tank. 
Stay up. Get your, have your strength back. So get her something to drink and get her strength back. Hold her up. No, no, take her out. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Ushers, you can bring the buckets up, pass out the offering envelopes. Shocking that that would happen during the offering time. Give you an opportunity to sow seed on the final name. Thank you for the great privilege of coming to the state of California to minister the gospel. Did you sing in every service? 10 out of 11. Stand up so everybody can see you. Sing in every service, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. the whole week. Way to go. You're how old? 12. This might sound like a lot of money for 12, but I'm going to send you $1,000 for doing such a great job singing. That's for you. Because you did, you did a great job. You had such a great spirit in the morning, 10 a.m. You're special. God's going to... I was going to say, God's going to bless you. That's one up front, and then there'll be more blessings. Amen? I, f I felt the Lord speak to me to do it. That's, you're something else. Thanks for skipping school all week. Amen. 
How many of you were blessed this week? Nobody was more blessed than me. I've had a, feels like a vacation. I more, feel more rested now than I do when I came Sunday night. What a great state. Full of terrible drivers. <laughs> it's true, right? I don't know why. We're not going to point fingers. Not you, but others. Let me have my healing the sick book, brother Noah. Great job, media team all week. Great job with the live stream. You know, live stream never cut out one time in 11 services. Great job. Give the media team a big hand clap. Great job all week, brother Noah. Thanks. This is a book called Dominion Over Sickness and Disease. I wrote this for people that are going through serious health challenges. That'll fortify what God did tonight and keep it growing. I like your smile. You guys know people here? No, I'm from, I'm from Arizona. How'd you know about me? What part of Arizona? You don't have to give me your address. Summerton. Summerton. Tell me where that is. Yuma. Oh, near Yuma. I haven't been there yet. I go to Arizona a lot. That's yeah. My, yeah, I like it a lot. I'll see you again. Love you very much. Thanks for coming. Glad you came. Don't leave. Don't leave. I got this wife. <laughs> Bit of a nag if I stay gone for more than a while. I appreciate you, brother. Glad you came. Is the young lady that came and gave her life to the Lord on, was it Wednesday morning that you came? You'd never been here before and you were a visitor and I, I prayed for you. Is she still here? You know what I mean? You saw, you saw me on Instagram and you came in? Yes. Stand up so people know I'm not, full, not, uh, not telling the truth. Now, you found me on Instagram just randomly, right? Came Wednesday morning and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Just popped up in her feed. I, I'm going to miss you. I love you. In a non-creepy way, I love you. In a non-litigatable way, I love you. Thanks to old Harvey Weinstein, you got to watch your words these days. Praise the Lord. Boy, it would, be, it would be a thrill if you lived around here to plug in with Pastor Michael and watch, watch. One of the most exciting things you can do in life is get in on a new church and watch it Zoom and be a part of it. So God will bless you for backing a young pastor that's got all his chips to the center of the table. He's got no part-time job or anything. Him and his wife just going for it. I like that. You know, I was telling him, I think he's 30, how old is he, 34? Get a difference of it. I'm going to go with the dad. 34? Okay, 34. I was telling him, when I was 34, I had nothing. I didn't have a rented office. Not, you know, to be 34 and have acquired, even though it's a, a lease, you know, we're not meeting in some dump 
with an eight-foot drop ceiling with water damage on the tiles. You know, that says a lot. He's a pastor worth backing. I've known him for quite a while, and when there was nothing in it for him, he worked at those crusades we played on the video wall hard. A guy who cares about souls, whether he gets any credit or not. The kingdom, whether he gets any credit or not. It's amazing as he made something happen for others, then God gave him his own thing. This church is blessed. Amen? Well, I've got to be one of the only preachers in America that feels like I've shortchanged you by dismissing at 10.08. I do. I feel like I like made you leave before dessert. But uh, the Holy Ghost did everything. Thanks to your hunger, you fast-tracked the service. I'm on Instagram, at J.D. Shuttlesworth. I would recommend that you don't follow me. Twitter, at J.D. Shuttlesworth. And then our YouTube channel is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And then uh, Twitter, at J.D. Shuttlesworth. Yep, I'll see you on there, my friend. Um, We have an app. If you liked my preaching, I would recommend this. We have an app called Revival Today. It has 24 hours of preaching on there. My wife, myself, Kofi. You can minimize the app and use other things and it'll play. And we have that because YouTube has tossed us off like a zillion times. And um, But now Elon Musk is going to relaunch the Twitter video app and compete with YouTube and have a free speech video platform, which is awesome. So everything's flipping around. Amen? So if you like the preaching, I'm going to tell you a secret in life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Get that app. It's free. And then just keep it on. If you battle fear at night, keep it on. Fear's not going to come in the room with me. It can't occupy the same room where the, the word of God's being preached, I promise you. So control the atmosphere of your house. You know? You're going to have two different sleep experiences with me on or with forensic files on. You'll have better dreams with me. Would you two mind standing up? Their son is in our Bible college. He has a reputation among the professors as the hardest working of all the students. And I want to say thank you for raising a godly son. You've done an excellent job. I love you. Thank you. Our next intake of Bible college students is in September. You got 90 seconds. If you feel the call of God on your life, I'm not saying you have to come to my Bible school, but I'm going to give you an option. $2,000 a year, two years, two-year school, and out into the ministry. Why Why should you come to RTBI? The education that you're going to experience here is like no other. You're going to get a solid foundation on the Word of God, but you're also going to be exposed to the power that comes behind it. I was listening to Pastor Jonathan's sermon, uh, and at the end of the sermon, he gave an altar call for those that feel a call into full-time ministry. I decided to act and move and apply, and I got accepted, and I can assure you that this 
Bible Institute has taught me so much. They teach you the Bible and they teach you the true, full gospel. The fire of God is coming upon teenagers, college students. They say, I don't care about the approval of Viacom and MTV and the movies. I've made up my mind. I'd rather endure the shame and disgrace of this world and have the pleasure of God. And on that floor, I cried and I cried and I said, Lord, I know that you hear me. And the Lord spoke to me and said that if I won't move here because of fear, I will never go to the nations because how much more will I yield to fear then? And in that moment, I knew that my life isn't gonna be ordinary. In that moment, I knew that it was up to me how far I'm gonna go with God and that it's up to me if I'm gonna make this decision. It changed my life forever. First, I'm gonna be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So congratulations again for being what's right with America. There's enough principled people full of God's fire in this room to shut down every plan of the devil for this generation. You'll do what God's called you to do and be who God's called you to be for the rest of your life. Amen? So we don't have online school because you need in-person training. I'm not against online Bible. You can get, get an online education with another Bible school, but if you want to leave home and, and go get trained, like my friend Pastor Brian Tones did, like you did, you didn't live in Florida at the time, did you? No. You moved from California there? Yeah. It does something to you to leave everything and go commit yourself to the ministry and, get, and then get hands-on training. You can't help out with a crusade online. But then you being there working the altars and, and all that stuff, it helps. You're a good guy. You anticipate my moves. Thanks, brother. I picked the course list. Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. Helps if you know the Bible, if you preach it. Church history and Pentecostal heritage. Bible doctrines, gifts of the Spirit. U.S. history, so you don't quote Romans 13 as if uh, the Constitution is not the law of the land. Administrative, creating and managing a nonprofit, finances for ministers. Who pays you? How do you legally take the money from the offering as a salary? How do you ethically do it? How do you not end up in federal prison? Those are helpful things to learn. But they don't teach at Bible school. Marriage, family, and ministry, biblical sexuality, so that you don't start preaching that gender is a spectrum from the platform. I saw a website, there was a t shirt that you could buy. It said, There's more than two genders. And then when you went to order it, you could pick male or female. <laughs> Book of Acts, communication and influence, hermeneutics. That's the uh, scriptural, how to dissect scripture. Homiletics, that's the science of preaching. Christianity and world religions, angelology and demonology, and, uh, and more. English, so you don't spell alter, A-L-T-E-R. That's all there. So those are on the back. No press. You don't have to commit, but uh, the, new, the new intake of students is September, and if you feel called to the ministry, you have an option rather than just sitting around telling people you feel called to the ministry. You can get moving. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm basically just stalling so I can get one more look at your faces before I go back to preaching states where people don't take care of their appearance at all. so nice preaching to attractive people, to be honest with you. God bless you.
No offense, every single person watching online. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.